Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is May 7th, 2019. 120 days to kick off. That's like four months. Four months. Next month, it'll be less than 100 days. Can you believe that? When it gets down to like double digits, it'll be very exciting. Yeah, for me, the season starts when Hard Knocks comes on. That seems to be when football really gears up. Have they announced who they're doing? Not yet. Not yet. All right, we got some interesting stuff to talk about. First, I want to get up to some follow-ups, some fact checks. Uh, we only have two follow-ups. One is Molly had asked me what my conspiracy theory is. Well, I went and I looked at the top 30 conspiracy theories. They consist of chemtrails, global warming is a hoax, the AIDS virus was created in a laboratory, HARP, H-A-R-R-P-P, H-A-A-R-P, plastic coffins and concentration camps, don't know anything about that one, the 2004 Indian Ocean Tsunami, Fluoridation, Pan Am Flight 103, Philadelphia Experiment, Pearl Harbor, Peak Oil Conspiracy, The Protocols of the Elders of Zion, never heard of that one, Harold Wilson was a Soviet agent, Black or unmarked helicopters, the Moscow apartment bombings, the July 7, 2005 tube bombings, Paul is dead, the disappearance of Shergar, Shakespeare was somebody else. Oh, I have heard that one. Yeah. Most of these I've never even heard of. No, no. We're just not up on the conspiracy. We need to watch more Alex Jones, man. I guess so. North American Union, Project MK Ultra. I could have sworn that was proven a fact. Operation Northwoods, Elvis Presley faked his own death, Princess Diana, Princess of Wales, the Jesus Conspiracy, the Illuminati and the New World Order, NASA faked the moon landings, a flying saucer crashed at Roswell in 1947, the assassination of John F. Kennedy and September 11, 2001. Those are all the top 30 conspiracy theories. Now, my theory is that everybody believes in at least one conspiracy theory, and Molly caught me by asking me what was mine. <laughs> I didn't know, but I do now. What is it? The peak oil conspiracy. What is that? But that's saying that we've already hit peak oil and everybody's kind of hoarding their oil, waiting for the markets to crash, the oil markets, and then there's going to be big global fighting over the oil and all that good stuff. So that's what you think? No. Okay. No, I don't think that. I think the exact opposite. We have more oil, especially with the shale revolution here in America. I mean, we've got enough oil just in America for the next 150 years. Easy. So I do not believe, wait a minute. Does yes, I did that exactly wrong, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe in any of these. <laughs> None of them? No. There it was. I thought I found. You know what? Global warming is a hoax. I believe that one. <laughs> so there. There we go. We're done. All that for that. I thought I had the peak oil conspiracy one down, but now I didn't believe in that. The exact opposite. Right. Yeah. yeah okay. Another follow-up. Molly was right. Rojo had 23 carries. Rojo. Rojo. <laughs> Rojo. He did type Rojo, so... <laughs> <laughs> Ronald Hones had 23 carries in 2018 for a total of 44 yards and one touchdown. I don't remember that one touchdown. I don't either. His longest carry was nine yards, and he averaged 1.9 yards per attempt. Now, he was targeted nine times and had seven receptions for 33 yards. I vaguely remember him not catching hardly anything. But yeah, that's what I thought, too. But apparently he caught most of the ones thrown his way. Seven out of nine. That's really strange because all you ever hear is how he... Can't catch anything. Right. He obviously can catch some conspiracy theories. <laughs> There's a conspiracy theory out there that Rojo does not catch passes, <laughs> but he caught seven out of nine. It is false. Yeah. 
I listened to Rick Stroud's podcast the other night, and he was pretty funny. He talked about the ping pong controversy. I've got an article coming up on the website, Ping Pong Gate, so keep an eye out for that. But he really broke it down about why it's silly for people to be harping on the ping pong tables. But what really impressed me about it, other than his argument, was a guy could do some pretty good impersonations. He does a perfect Gruden impersonation. I actually thought they had cut in some Gruden talking audio. Was he here for Gruden? I don't know. I'll have to fact check and follow that one up. I think so. But if you haven't listened to it, check it out. It's Rick Stroud's podcast. I think it was Friday. It's about the ping pong controversy. So, Do you agree with him? Do you think it's stupid? Uh, You have to check my article out. But here, I'll go ahead and sum it all up. Yeah. I think that the fans want punishment. They want, they don't want to see these guys having fun. I mean, the fan, we put in a lot of stuff to be a fan. We buy jerseys, we buy tickets, we buy paraphernalia, we spend hours and hours watching the teams, talking about the teams and all that. We don't get anything in return. They get well compensated. And when they lose and they're playing and laughing and all that, it rightfully so makes fans upset. Now, they don't have just a ping pong table in the locker room. They've got right down the hall in the players' lounge, they've got a full-size pool table, video games, all kinds of stuff. So Rick Stroud's argument was, you know, if you take it out of the locker room, that's not going to stop. I mean, they're still going to go they'll just go to the players' lounge and play. You know, it's not going to... And plus, plenty of teams have ping pong tables in their locker rooms. Apparently, uh, who's the Seahawks coach? Carroll? Pete, Pete Carroll. Carroll. Yeah, he started this whole mess. And now teams, either the Falcons have it, the Jaguars have it. Or they did have it until Coughlin came in there and took it out. But, you know, some teams have it and they are winners. Some teams have it and they are losers, like the Falcons. I mean, they're bottom of the division with us. So, you know, it's not a guarantee that having a ping pong table doesn't correlate to winning or losing. But my point is, you know, we're t- we talk about holding teams accountable, holding the players accountable, the coaches accountable, and all that mess. And sometimes we get confused between accountability and justice. And I think fans see the ping pong table as a punishment. You know, take the ping pong table out because these guys don't deserve to be goofing off. And that's what I think Rick Stroud is missing. You know, this is about the fans. This isn't about the players. Those are some really good points. Well, thank you, Molly. Read my article when it comes to I will. <laughs> I haven't put a lot of thought into it, but I don't think it should be in the locker room. I think it, you have to think about the mentality of that space. It's like the same reason that they tell you not to put a TV in your bedroom when you because it makes your bedroom a place where you watch TV, not a place where you're sleeping. Good so point. it can really cut into your sleep. That's a good point. And there's all kinds of things in your house that you can do to, to optimize of, and change your mindset yeah, when in your you're habits in, that in your so That's a good point. I'm going to have to rewrite my article now. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with Gerald McCoy and JPP. We're going to get to that. Gerald McCoy had put on a video on his Instagram the other day where basically he was saying, don't question me. I'm working hard. Literally, he said, don't you ever question me. Right. And I found it kind of ridiculous. You know, this is this is the McCoy we've seen for nine years. You know, he talks a lot of stuff during the off season. You know, I'm going to be the leader, put the team on my back. We're, you know, we're practicing to win we're going to, to the playoffs this year all this stuff and then when the regular season comes you never hear from him again you know he's not saying any of that and that's what i see here now i wish he was like that all the time you know out there on the field beating his chest saying don't question me but that's not the general McCoy we get during the season i would like to see him take responsibility for the losing the same way jpp did 
We have very few people in the locker room that say, this is on us. We just have to do better. This is true. That's again, it goes back to that accountability. Right. And a- another strange thing I found with this whole Daryl McCoy saga, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know the mindset. I'm of the opinion, it's just speculation, just from what I know about Bruce Arians, that he doesn't like Daryl McCoy's leadership style, especially as a veteran. So he's of the mindset, let's get rid of Gerald McCoy. You know, plus, that's a, that's a pretty big salary for a guy that's... Getting six sacks. Right. You know, I mean, Nassib got six sacks last year. Six right. and a half, I think. And, you know, he didn't play as much as Gerald McCoy did, and he's not getting paid near as much as Gerald McCoy. So I could, I could see Bruce Arians where his mindset would be totally different than the previous coaches we've had in here. However, what's really freaking me out about all this is how the media is just downright defending Daryl McCoy. And they will harass anybody that is against Daryl McCoy, is, you know, questions Daryl McCoy. And I find that very strange because I don't think that's the job of the media. You know, all these guys that are reporting on the Buccaneers, it shouldn't be their job to try and convince fans that certain players need to stay on the team. Right, and that's all we've gotten, especially after the end of the season, because that's when Gerald McCoy in the locker room, it sounded like he was preparing for his last game with the team. And then you got all these puff pieces about him. Oh, my gosh, there's there's five articles a day written about how great Gerald McCoy is and how he needs to stay on the team. Right. And it's all basically concentrated with the local media in Tampa. Now, I can understand if they did this routinely, if they did it with Akib Tlaib or LeGarrette Blount or with Josh Freeman, they kind of did. They took his side over Greg Schiano's, but, you know, even Jameis Winston or you any other player. I've never seen anything like this where all the media is just totally unified in the aspect that Jeremy McCoy is a good player, one of the best players the Buccaneers have ever had, and he needs to stay on the team no matter what. And here's why, and they'll come out with all these obscure stats. Six or, Pro Bowls, that's the big one. Right. Six, he's been, which we all know, Pro Bowls is popularity a popularity contest. contest. So why do you think that is, Molly? Do you have an opinion on that? We've touched on this before, that it's certainly an access media where they're not doing a lot of hard-hitting reporting or digging. It's whoever gives them access, that's kind of where their stories tend to go. I think McCoy is, he gives good sound bites. He's comfortable in front of a camera. He likes to talk. And so the media is attracted to that because it's not like it's pulling teeth to try to get information out of them. Or He's very savvy. I mean, he's been on Stephen Colbert. How many Buccaneers players can we say have been on a nationally televised production like that. I agree with you. And you and you said the phrase access media. I think that's what it is. And of course this is all speculation, but it just seems to me and, and the most of the guys in the media have said at one point or another that there's not a microphone that Gerald McCoy doesn't like. And like you pointed out too, he's been very good at marketing himself, being on Stephen Colbert and all the NFL shows and all that good stuff. And he seems to be able to know how to do talking points and get sound bites out there. It's like the being double teamed. That was Gerald McCoy that started that. I have the exact date, but I don't have it with me. Hold on one second. I can't find it, but somewhere in, I want to say, 2012 or 2013, Gerald McCoy started mentioning that he got double teamed all the time. And then the media started picking up on that. And if you if you notice... If you go back and you watch Jerry McCoy's interviews and all of his press clippings and stuff like that, he always brings up that he's being double teamed. That's him doing that. And then the media has followed along and said that he's being double teamed. Now, if you go to the website, you can look many years. I did charting on who was getting double teamed 
on the defensive line. Because somebody always is double teamed. If we're in a four three, you got right. four guys on the line. There's five on an offensive line. So Somebody's inevitably, get someone gets double teamed. Yes, and Jeremy McCoy was both double teamed no more than anybody else. And it was not that often. It was less than twenty percent of the time. And I even changed with the way I looked at it. I started off doing double teams, or I consider a double team when two linemen, two or more linemen, specifically single out a person to block. Then I changed it because, I I mean, I was getting around 10% double teams, probably even less than that. I don't have my notes up right now, but it was way down there on Gerald McCoy. So then I switched it to just any time two offensive linemen touched Gerald McCoy or anybody else on the defensive line, and it still didn't change the stats. I mean, it moved them up to around 30%, 20%, 25%, somewhere in there. But everybody on the defensive line was getting those same numbers. So it was Gerald McCoy that started pushing the double team, and then it was the media that followed along behind him and started pushing that narrative. He did something similar with the stunts under Shiano, if you remember. Yes. The He started complaining that, oh, we're doing too many stunts, and that's the problem. And then he said, I went to Greg Schiano and I spoke with him, and we're going to do less stunts. Right. And then exactly right after that, nothing changed. I studied that game film to see how we had changed the stunts or reduced them. We actually increased the stunts. And Joe McCoy did stunts before Schiano ever came. Joe McCoy's always done stunts. At a similar rate. Yes, it's always, Joe McCoy's always done stunts ever since he's been here. Shiano had some different kind of stunts that he threw in there, but he didn't do them any more than Lovey Smith ended up doing or Cutter's administration or anybody. The stunts are just part of the team, and it's something Jerry McCoy has always done. So, you know, Jerry McCoy is very good at working with the media, and they seem to very much like working with Jerry McCoy. We have mentioned about Scott Reynolds, I think it was, from the Pewter Report, who got a – he wrote an article that was – negative towards Gerald McCoy a few years ago, and Gerald McCoy actually called him up on his cell phone and had him correct the article and retract it. So, Why, why would you do that as a journalist? Because I think they're scared of losing access to Gerald McCoy because he is so open, he will talk to... I mean, he's on the podium all the time. And in, in the, the locker in room. In the locker room, they always talk to Gerald McCoy. He's a, he's a guaranteed article writer. You get an article out of Gerald McCoy. And he's a fan favorite. And he's a fan favorite, So yes. people will click on these articles just because of his name. Yes, and then you have the national media or the broadcasters will hype up Gerald McCoy during the game. Yeah, he's got name recognition. One, because he's been on the team for so long, too, because he was such a high draft pick for us. Right, and he's like the dichotomy of the Dominican Sioux. Yeah. And he is, Gerald McCoy is what the NFL wants to see as far as character is yeah. concerned in the NFL Very now. clean. Very clean, very family-oriented and all that stuff. And I love that about Gerald McCoy. But I think that you know the media is doing a disservice to the fans by trying to make fans feel guilty and feel bad about having any criticism of Gerald McCoy. There's plenty of criticism to be had about Gerald McCoy. I'll tell you about his game. His gameplay is not perfect. You know, there's plenty of things you could say about Gerald McCoy's gameplay that is critical. But you don't ever get that from the media. And then if fans do it, they're considered Gerald McCoy haters and they're lambasted. You should see Twitter today and yesterday. It's just near constant. There's people on both sides of the aisle. Unfortunately, the Bucks media is on one side. They're unequivocally yeah, the only chosen one, aside. The only one I know that criticizes Gerald McCoy, and he does it relentlessly, is Ian Beckles. And he's the only one I know that doesn't have, that doesn't have anything to do with getting access to one Buck place. You know, he's a total... 
He's an objective outside person. Even though he did play for the Buccaneers for many years, he doesn't seem to have, he's not there for the media events and, you know, locker room. He doesn't require access. And I would also like to point out a podcast not too long ago, a few months maybe, put out by the Peter Report guys. They were joking about something, or maybe it might have been Joe Buck's fan. In any case, they were joking and they were like, oh, the, you know, the Buccaneers are going to take your credentials from you. Right, yeah. So, and it had nothing to do with McCoy, I don't think, but they were... Yes, I think you remember what you were talking about, but they were joking about, don't say that because the bu- the Buccaneers will take your credentials exactly. from you. Exactly. So it is very much a quid pro quo relationship, I think, between the Buccaneers organization and the players and the media. And it makes sense. You know, that's the way it is in a lot of places. Yeah, I don't think it's unique to our football team. I think it's any football team, any sports team. But you just have to take biased writing with a grain of salt. You know, you're only going to get one side of the story when somebody's trying to push their narrative on you. And that's why I don't, I give Joe Buck's fan a little more slack because they're clearly biased. They always have been. Their blog, more or less. They do have good insider information, but every single one of their articles has a slant in it. Oh, yeah. It's got their opinion in it. There are others. That I'm constantly sending Ralph tweets throughout the day, making any inappropriate sexual innuendos about what these journalists are doing to Gerald McCoy. It's the Tampa Bay Times in particular are really on his jock, and I don't know why. Tom Bassinger, Tom Metrics, he loves throwing out stats about Gerald McCoy. And what a fan pointed out was that those are great stats for Gerald McCoy, but they're just about him. They're not about what he's bringing to the team. Mm-hmm. What has he done for the team? I see what he's done for his career, for his numbers. Right. Yes, we don't know anything about what goes on with the locker room and how he interacts with other players and all that stuff. Stats are one thing, but you got to admit the guy has been the stalwart of this defense. He's the only one left from 2010. You know, He's been there that long. And ever since he's been here, our defense has sucked. And, you know, I mean, he's got good stats for a defensive tackle. And, and I'm not bashing on Jeremy McCoy. Either way, it's just it is what it is. But you have to look at the whole picture. The team just hasn't – his side of the ball has not gotten better. And you've got to lay some blame at his feet. But they don't do that. And that's kind of what bothered me about his video where he said, don't ever question me. Nah, we're going to do that. It's a new era at One Buck Place, and there's this thing called accountability that Bruce Arians likes to push very hard. And no one's exempt from that. Everyone should be held accountable. There shouldn't be one person who can't be questioned. Right. And that's the thing with Jerry McCoy. He's never, ever since he's been here, he's never, one, had any competition. Two, his job has never been threatened. I mean, he has every coach that's come in here has immediately said Gerald McCoy is the best player on our defense, and this is the first time he's ever ever had any adversity at his workplace. And to say that we can't question him, I, I assume he was talking to us. I don't know who he was talking to, but we was pretty general. You know, I'm like, no, no, you will be questioned just like everybody else, all the way from the, the media all the way up to ownership. I'm I'm a fan. I'm going to question all of you. I'm going to support you if you're on the team, but I'm going to question you and hold you accountable. If you screw up, I'm going to talk about it. So we don't know where Gerald McCoy, what's going to happen. I think at this point, clearly he's a disgruntled employee at a minimum. 
I don't. I don't think it would be a good idea to bring him in. I, I, you, can't. you can't. I don't think you can. If you cut his salary, he's going to be disgruntled. If you don't make amends between Bruce Arians and Hill, he's going to come in and be disgruntled. Which he's going to require a public ass kissing from. <laughs> The coaching staff. Bruce Harry just from never everybody. Gonna, yeah, and that's never going to happen. Well, we'll see. We don't know. But here's the interesting thing. If you're not aware, JPP got into a car wreck. We covered this in our last podcast, and we said everything was okay. Unfortunately, it doesn't appear to be that way. It's We don't have answers yet. We know he went to the hospital after his accident. They cleared him, sent him home. The Buccaneers medical staff got a hold of his scans that he had done at the hospital, and they said, well, we don't think everything's okay. They saw something on the scans they didn't like, and now he's going for a second opinion. They're concerned that it's a fractured neck and that he may require surgery. There's a report out about an hour ago at 8 o'clock on the 7th that it may heal on its own and he may not require surgery. It does look like he's likely to miss some time. If it's If it's a fracture and he doesn't require surgery, they're saying it takes five to six months to recover. So that puts him back in October ready to practice. And then he probably wouldn't even see the field right away because he's got to get in football shape. If it requires surgery, that's he's going to miss next season. Even if he comes back in October... I don't see how that's going to help because this is a totally new defense, not just for the team, but for him. He's never played in this type of defense before. I don't see how he could get on the field without a crap ton of practice in this offseason. If he doesn't participate in the offseason practices, I don't think he's going to make the team. You think they'll cut him? I think there's a high possibility. I mean, they're not going to – we're in a salary cap crunch. It's one of the things with Jerry McCoy is we need that $13 million. Now, if we can cut JPP and recoup some of that, you know, seven million or whatever it is, nobody knows yet. Nobody knows anything about his contract. Greg Allman has even come out and said we don't know the specific language in JPP's contract as to what would void a guarantee. Uh, would we? Would it have to be negligent, cited in a car accident? A lot we don't know as to how the Bucks can and will handle this moving forward. That's very true. We don't know anything about what's going to happen. What Gerald's co- or uh, JPP's contract looks like? Whether how much money we could recoup by. Uh, cutting him or benching him or putting him on the non-football related injury list. We don't know anything right now, but it does put him on the chopping block. And if we cut him, we might not have to cut Gerald McCoy. I think you still cut Gerald McCoy irrespective of what happens with JPP. That would be a huge, huge holes to fill. I mean, losing JPP and Gerald McCoy on the defensive line. But then you've got some money... You could pick we up could get, somebody in free agency. Yeah, Ziggy Anza or <laughs> Tomek and Sue. I would love to get Sue. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Could you imagine if we got rid of McCoy, we brought Sue in, and then we go to the playoffs? Oh, my gosh. That would that would answer a lot of questions, wouldn't it? It sure would. You know, because Sue has been to, what, three or four different teams, and he's been to the playoffs on every single one of them? Right. No stranger to the limelight. Hopefully, JPP will not need any type of surgery, and this is just a fluke thing. He's getting a bunch of second and third opinions on this at the moment, so we won't know anything probably till tomorrow or later in the week. Yeah, I think it's going to be a while, and the Bucks organization is kind of slow to turn around information. We saw that with Beckwith. We still don't know what's going on with him. Still don't know. Could you imagine if JPP is out because of a car wreck? We had Beckwith out last year because of a car wreck, JPP out this year because of a car wreck. 
I'm st- I'm going to say start bubble wrapping these players for the offseason. It's getting ridiculous. Or why don't they have personal drivers or Uber? Never understood that. You can still get in a car wreck in an Uber. This is true. <laughs> We're just going to ban cars. <laughs> <laughs> get them on. Yeah, they can't go anywhere. No no traveling of any kind. You've got to sleep in one buck place, which is a fan. I would be perfectly fine with Me that. Too. It was a little chilling on Twitter to see all the argument about Jared McCoy this morning. And then this afternoon, the no- the news came out about JPP that it's a fractured neck and it might be more serious. And people immediately jumped to, oh, good, now we can keep McCoy. Like, very little concern for JPP, his future with the Bucks, his health. Hmm. <laughs> it was that immediate jump, and it was a little icky. Hmm. Didn't even think about that. Yeah. And a lot of people are now, even like Joe Bucks fans, putting out articles. Well, here's the McCoy situation. Now that JPP may not play, or now that JPP is in question. And, you know, Tom Bassinger with the Tampa Bay Times was advocating to trade JPP months ago. So I'm sure that he's just like, I told you so. We should have done it months ago. Yeah. Can't trade him now with broke neck. No. Yeah, and that's another thing about the whole Jerry McCoy stuff that I don't like is I don't think one player on the team, and he has done this ever since he's been here, he has sucked up all media attention since he's been here. And some players are okay with that, I think. Oh, yeah. But I'm talking about as a fan. Right. You know, I don't think any one player should be given that much limelight on a team. No, I don't think so either. Because what about the people who don't want the limelight, who do want to be questioned and give interviews and no one cares what they say. Have yeah, they? it's a it's a it's a strange situation and one I hope gets resolved soon. Although it does give us something to talk about during the offseason. It does. Ian Beckel's podcast on this was refreshing. <laughs> yeah. If if by refreshing you mean full of darts. Brutally just, honest. Yes, he just took a lawnmower to the side of Gerald McCoy's head. That was that was a podcast. If I was Gerald McCoy I would Probably want to fight Ian Beckles. Oh, he blocked Ian Beckles oh, on think, Twitter I think like Beckles, years ago. Ian Beckles has been blocked, yeah, from yeah. the get-go, probably. Yeah. Ian Beckles just has not appreciated Gerald McCoy at all since he's been here. He's just gotten worse and worse over the years. He's got a different perspective because right. he's and, been in an NFL locker room before. And he's, he played against defensive tackles. Right. You know, that was his position. So he, he has a little better perspective on it than, say, Rick Stroud. Right. You know, so... If you want to hear the other side of the story, listen to Ian Beckles, but make sure there's no children in the room. And if you love Gerald McCoy, you're probably going to want to turn it off immediately. Yes. But that's what we need. We need the balance. We need... Right. uh, You know, I don't think it should be as biased on both sides as it is, but if you're going to listen to one side, you need to listen to the other side, too, just to get balance within yourself. It's being really easy. I say this about NFL players, the same thing I say about college players. I could take any game and make a highlight film of any player on the team. Any player. You name them. I could make a highlight film. Even somebody that all they do is they play special teams. I could make a highlight film of it. I could also do the exact opposite. I could make a low light film of any player on the team. So it's really how all this is being framed. If you're listening to only people that are telling you the highlights, you're going to think these players are awesome or whatever. But if you don't ever see the low lights, you're not getting a balanced approach and you're not getting the full story. And I don't think people are thinking of this critically. Like, you're either in one camp or the other. And if you are in 
the camp where he loved Gerald McCoy, a lot of people are saying, oh, the real, we're the real fans. You know, the real fans shouldn't be talking about Gerald McCoy like this. Yes, and that's another thing that bothers me about this whole situation is I don't like to see the fan base divided right. like this. I mean, we should just be able to talk about it and disagree. And Yes, unfortunately what happens is you get, you say, oh, I really like Gerald McCoy. He's a really good guy, good player. And then you're going to have some bonehead that comes up and goes, oh, Gerald McCoy sucks, and you know this and that, this and that, and then you solidify your position, you start attacking them, and then it becomes a war, everybody picks sides, and the pitchforks are drawn. I've definitely gotten like that before, not with Gerald McCoy, but with other people on the team where maybe a coach or, you know, and the fan base turns against him, and it makes me really upset and angry. And actually, I got off of Reddit for that reason because yes. the Buccaneers subreddit was just a very, very angry. attacking certain people yeah. on the team. And you're like, that's my team. So I can understand people who really like McCoy getting upset about it. When LeGarrette Butt was removed from the team, that really, really bothered me because I thought, and I turned out to be right that LeGarrette Bunt is a superstar. He's an elite player. And you know, I mean, he was fun to watch. He was so a, entertaining. very entertaining, not only on the field, but off the field. And he likes strip clubs. So you know I'm a big fan of him there. <laughs> he has some common interests. <laughs> yes. He is a strip club hound. So when, when LeGarrette Bunt was removed from the team, I was pretty despondent because I thought it was the wrong decision. It turned out I was correct in that, but that's not here nor there. But I didn't start attacking people. And even when it was brought up that we should get rid of Blunt, because there was a big contingent of people that was like, we need to get rid of Blunt. You know, I didn't attack them. I don't think that's right. We're fans. We're supposed to support our team and we're supposed to support each other. If I want to get attacked, I'll go hang out with New Orleans Saints fans or Carolina Panther fans. You know, as far as Buccaneer fans, we should be able to have good discourse, talk about our agreements, put our pros and cons out there. I never agree with calling for people fired. That's one thing I love about Bruce Arians. When he said that, he said, I will not fire anybody on my staff. I was like clapping. Woohoo. Because I believe in that. You know, I mean, of course, there are extenuating circumstances. You know, if somebody like Hernandez comes up, starts killing people, then yeah, get rid of them. Absolutely. But I'm talking about for, you know, performance issues or, you know, silly off the field stuff or they say something to somebody. You know, it's just. People get so riled up and involved in this stuff, and understandably so, but under, you got you also got to look at this as, this is the team we've chosen to support. There's 31 other teams out there filled with millions of other people that hate our team. We don't need to be one of those. If you support the team, you support everybody on the team. That includes the water boys, the cheerleaders, the coaches, the media, the fans, the front office. That's our team. We are the 12th man on this team. I wouldn't like it if somebody on the team said, well, I'm not going to play because I don't like the coach. Or I'm not going to play because I don't like the general manager and stuff. But you get that with the fan base all the time. They go, oh, I'm not going to watch the games. Or I'm not going to go to the stadium until they get rid of this coach. Or they start, start winning. winning. Yeah, that's the one that drives me crazy. I'm, that's the very definition of bandwagon, bandwagon fan or fair weather fan. I'm only going to watch the team when they're winning. Come on now. So, you know, with the Gerald McCoy stuff, whether you like him or you don't like him, you know, don't make a big deal out of it with other fans and understand that you're probably half right. You're probably half wrong, just like everybody else is. If he's with the team, fantastic. If he goes somewhere else, it better not be in the NFC South. <laughs> he can go hang out with his buddy Drew Brees. <laughs> yes, you could still root for him as long as he doesn't go to a team we play. Me, I prefer not to root for anybody that's not on the team. If they go to another team, they're an enemy. But... I might, they might be like a lower class enemy if I really like them. That was hard for me when John Lynch went to Denver. Oof, that was hard. I couldn't, because I was a big John Lynch fan. 
And I, I was just like, man, I cannot like John Lynch. I cannot not like John Lynch, but I forced myself to do it. <laughs> he powered through, huh? I powered through. So hopefully this will get wrapped up soon and we can all move on to being United fans again. Yeah, this has really been divisive for the fan base. And it normally happens anytime, like with the Mike Smith coaching thing, uh, with the end of a coach's tenure when they start losing, all of a sudden the fan base just starts attacking each other, and then the media gets involved in it. They, well, they're usually the ones that start it, and then they just sit there and stoke the fires. You're not going to get that from this podcast. You won't ever hear either one of us talk about getting rid of somebody on the team or in front office or anything like that. I think I just talked about getting rid of Gerald McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? I think so. Come on, Molly. Come on. Come on. All right, that's a short podcast for tonight. We just wanted to get those two things out there. Molly still has the press conferences with the coaching assistants, the coaching staff. She's still reviewing all that. We're going to fill those things in when there isn't any buck news, but there's some pretty important stuff going on with Jerry McCoy and JPP today, so we thought we would cover that. Next podcast, if nothing else breaks, we'll probably have Molly finishing up her or continuing, she looked at me when I said finishing up. She was like, oh, man, there's a lot of coaches i got to go through. Uh, continuing her breakdown on all the different coaches we have in their interviews. We did have some news besides the JPP and Gerald McCoy thing that's kind of overshadowed everything. Ronde is getting into the Ring of Honor. That's right. I can't believe I forgot to bring that up. September 22nd, during the Giants game, he'll be inducted. Congratulations to him. I'll tell you what, probably the best cornerback that's ever played, Forty over 40 interceptions over 20 sacks he's the only cornerback that's ever done that there's another stat in there too i can't remember what it is but i mean he was a solid player he never left the field he was always there for us i started being a fan at the end of his career she loved ronde i did love ronde yes and i tell you what he did the number one play for the buccaneers in buccaneer history when he intercepted mcnair in the nfc championship and filled up mcnab what did i say mcnair yeah i gotta get my brain checked (laughs) When he intercepted McNabb in the NFC Championship against the Philadelphia Eagles, the game that took us to the Super Bowl, he intercepted it, ran it back for a touchdown. It changed every Buccaneers fan's life. I remember sitting there, because that was an intense game, and the Philadelphia Eagles had knocked us out of the playoffs for many years previously. And when he intercepted that ball and started running back, we all just stood up and screamed in unison, we're going to the Super Bowl. And there were still quite a few minutes left, but you just knew it. It was it. It was done. Wrapped up. And that was Rodney Barber that did that. So I will never forget that man. He needs to be in the Ring of Honor, and he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. If for nothing else, just for that one single play. He's going to get there to the Hall of Fame. And I remember, it was the Philadelphia Eagles that we played. It was during the Shiano tenure. We were right on the cusp of going to the playoffs, and we lost that game. And Rodney Barber was standing in the end zone, and he looked like, a zombie. Despondent. Yes, he was so depressed because he knew that was that was the end of it, and he was never going to go to the playoffs again. And he, did, we, we really had a chance, and it was just lose the way we lost that game and get knocked out of the playoff run was was just devastating to him. And I want, I'd like to see that. You know, when you lose, I want to see the players more upset than I am. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're getting paid millions of dollars, so it's really not that big of a deal to them. But I like to see them just just despondent. Yeah. Over a loss, and especially a loss like that. And you could see they, they had the camera fixed on Rondé Barber in the end zone, and he just he just looked like a beaten man. And I'm not saying I like to see Rondé Barber look like a beaten man, but I do like to see the players not like to lose. And hopefully Bruce Arians is going to bring that attitude back into the one Buccaneer place. Fun fact, 
Bruce Arians was Rondé Barber's dad's roommate in college. He used to babysit Rondé. He used to babysit Rondé. How crazy is that? And Tiki. Tiki had a lot of health problems when they were young. So the parents would take Tiki to the hospital and B.A. and Chris Arians would keep Rondé. So that would be a special thing, I think. Yes, especially when he gets inducted. And another fun fact, John Gruden was inducted into the uh, Ring of Honor. He was broadcasting the game at the time. He came down during halftime, got inducted, went back up into the booth and finished the game out. Rondé Barber was going to do the same thing. Oh, he is? Yep, he's broadcasting the game during his Ring of Honor ceremony, so he's going to come down at halftime, and then he's going to go right back up and talk about how great it was to be inducted. But, yeah, it's really neat how Bruce Arians has such a connection to the Barbers. Yeah. He was best friends with... The barber's dads and roommates with him and all that good stuff in college. So, we also signed a running back today. Was it today or yesterday? Maybe yesterday. I think it was yesterday. I think they announced it today. Kerwin Williams. Yeah. And then we waived wide receiver Sergio Bailey. Uh, yeah, all those running backs are not going to stick, and we're going to keep four. I think we've got seven on the roster right now. It's going to be interesting to see who stays. I know Peyton Barber is going to stay, of course, barring injuries. Uh, Andre Ellington is probably going to stay. Other than that. It's a, it's a, everything's up for grabs. You don't think Rojo's going to stay? No. I mean, they're talking about him like he's going to stay, but they're also talking about him like they, he's got a lot of work to do to get on his roster. Yeah. And if they get somebody in there that they don't have to work as hard with, they've got it. I mean, they didn't draft him. He's not their guy. Right. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. If you want to get in touch with us, send Ralph an angry email. <laughs> Tell me how much you love me. <laughs> you can reach me at Molly Bay at BuccaneersObserver.com. Ralph, director, nasty emails to him. Ralph at BuccaneersObserver.com. We're on Twitter at Bucks underscore Observer. And you can check out our website, BuccaneersObserver.com. Yeah, we're going to have much more content coming up on the website. So you might want to start making a habit of checking it out. But until next time, go Bucks. <laughs>